You're listening to The Lightwalker's Path with Serena Myers, the podcast that sparks real, raw, honest conversations about what it actually means to live a spiritual life. Serena is a sacred soul mentor who guides people to tap into their heart's truth so they can live their lives with purpose on purpose. Welcome to episode 29 of The Lightwalker's Path. I'm your host, Serena Myers, and something that you may not know about me is that I have a slight addiction to RuPaul's Drag Race, and it's been an interesting one. I've actually spent the last several months really delving into the world of drag. Um, I went and saw my first drag show uh, in 20, I'm dating myself 20 some odd, 22 years, I think, um, a week or so ago. And uh, I've been watching a lot of drag race and a lot of behind the scenes type stuff and drag race contestants reading mean tweets. And I'm lost in the world of queens. I fucking love it. I got to tell you. And it's been such an interesting journey for me, which seems like a weird thing. And Um, That's what I wanted to come and talk to you about today. And this episode has actually been brewing for me for a few months, but I wasn't 100% sure how I wanted to position it and how I wanted to share in a way that felt um, authentic, but also comfortable because we're going to be talking about body image stuff too. And that is a bit of a pickle for some of us. So I want to give you a bit of a background um, with my relationship with drag queens. When I was 16 or 17, I used to go to bars, but maybe not for the reason you think. It started out with karaoke bars because I wanted to find a stage that I could go and perform on. I wasn't especially good, but I had spirit and spunk and it was a lot of fun. And at some point, I started going to drag bars and I would watch these shows of these beautiful men coming out in gowns and the entire time... It's like I enjoyed the performance of it, but I was in extreme judgment. Not of men dressing up as women. That part wasn't the problem at all. It was that they did it, and in my opinion, they looked better than me. This is a time in my life where I was the thinnest I'd ever been. Um, I was very active. I was dancing and jogging and cycling everywhere. And for all intents and purposes, I had like a traditionally hot body, and I use air quotes when I say that. But I couldn't see it. I had some pretty bad body dysmorphia. I really saw myself as fat when I looked in the mirror. And in my head, being fat was probably the worst thing I could possibly ever be. I actually remember seeing a woman walking down the street who, if I remember correctly, is probably smaller than I am now. And I said to my best friend, if I ever look like that, shoot me. Those were my exact words. Which is really shitty to think about in retrospect. But I want you to understand kind of the degree of self-loathing that I had. And it wasn't just about my body. I think my body was a really convenient scapegoat. And so these beautiful men are coming out on stage dressed as women and they are tucked in all the right places. Um, They are the ones that I saw were actually the type of queens that are doing it to pass as women. They're not um, like that's the end goal is to be how convincing they can be. They're female impersonators as opposed to a lot of the queens that I actually really, really love on Drag Race, who it's all part of the art and the uh, performance of it. And so they would come on, they would lip sync and they were beautiful. And I could enjoy the performance in the same way that I could enjoy, let's say, a pop star's performance. But at the same time, there was this comparison element that had me watching them thinking, oh my God, I could never wear that. 
and hating myself. So my first relationship with drag queens was very disconnected because it was on the one hand, this appreciation of the show. And on the other hand, how shitty it made me feel personally because I felt like it was a standard that I couldn't live up to. And I think we've all been there in some capacity, particularly in our younger years. I mean, maybe for you it wasn't drag queens, maybe it was pop stars, but that element of comparison and using other people as weapons against ourselves, I think is something particularly in our younger years that we do, and it's not healthy. In my late 20s, I saw the first season of Drag Race. I think it was on Much Music or something. And um, I really connected with them. I really enjoyed the journey. I didn't catch myself in that same body loathing, which is interesting because at this point, I actually was in a plus size body. But um, I really enjoyed the theatrics of it. I thought they were kind of mean girls. And I had a hard time with that element because of my own like kind of high school trauma, I guess. There was the the mean girl part I found really challenging, but the artistry blew me away. In particular, if you've seen season one of Drag Race, Nina Flowers was like the only name that I actually remember 10 years later when I rewatched the show because they're the work that she put in and just the way she expressed it, it was different than the drag that I had grown up seeing because, you know, even she looked beautiful, but she wasn't... Um, trying to pass let's say it was still this really edgy kind of unique style it wasn't evening gowns and prom hair and whatever um so i could appreciate it and appreciate the artistry but there was still a degree of wow i could never wear that there was always that element of comparison where i couldn't just recognize that someone else was beautiful i had to somehow make that about me this was at the very 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 early days of my journey where um, it was in that stage where I was really self-critical. I mean, I still am to some point, to be honest. I just do it in different degrees. So I tend to use expectation as opposed to negative self-talk for the most part. But it's um, it was definitely still something I could appreciate but not really fully give into. And so there wasn't a huge inclination to pursue it for a really long time. And there was something about this year where I was like, hmm, let's just watch this drag race thing again and and see where it goes. And I started from season two and I went all the way through and I became completely hooked and a few different things happened. And I want to share this with you because even though drag queens are kind of an interesting example to use when we're talking about body image, um, there are people in our lives that we do this with. So if it's not a drag queen for you, maybe it's a celebrity, maybe it's your neighbor, I don't know, but let me just take you on this journey. Because I had spent now a decade, maybe even more than that, of doing this deep inner work with myself, of getting really honest about how I feel and what I want. And, and to be honest, my, when I sat down in my first shamanic ceremony, the intention that I set was to understand my weight. It was um, the one thing that no matter how much I looked at it, I couldn't see. And what was interesting is that when it first came out, it revealed itself as like a need to cultivate more self-love, a a need to release these ties to these past relationships. It was all these almost like sub-themes that were tied to the core root of my weight. But it was almost like the way that I felt about my body was creating these other, this other work that needed to be done. So attracting partners that 
didn't value me and things along those lines. And not just partners. It was it was in bosses. It was all over the place. It was not a fun time. And it wasn't until February that I got to actually see some trauma that I had experienced. And when I say February, I mean February of this year. My first shamanic ceremony was November of 2008. And it took until February 2019 to see this, that there had been this couple of years of trauma that was pretty bad, um, but that I was comparing myself to other people and saying, well, yeah, that was bad, but it wasn't as bad as so-and-so has it. Um, On numerous occasions, I referred to the events as, well, it wasn't real rape. So, you know, it wasn't that bad. And in doing that, I was diminishing my own experience. And While you can do that psychologically and bury it down, it's, first of all, still waiting for you and you're going to have to deal with it eventually. But second of all, the body is eavesdropping on the mind all the time. The mind was simultaneously experiencing, wow, I've had these violations and they really fucking hurt. And then the dismissal of that, yeah, but it wasn't as bad as so-and-so. So don't worry about it. Like, don't deal with it. It's fine. You know, it's not actually that bad. And I would push it down and the body would hear all of it. So the body would hear, Hey, I'm in pain. This shitty thing happened and I don't feel good about it. And then, yeah, but you should probably get over that and move past it because it could have been worse. And the body held on to all of it. And I couldn't even see it. Even when I talked about those shitty things that happened and some of them were in the workplace, it was as though... It felt so disconnected. It was almost like I was telling a story of something I read in the news or like that I saw in a documentary a few years ago. Like it felt so far away and like it had happened to somebody else. It didn't feel real and didn't feel personal. And all of those times that my body is holding all this trauma, my mind is checked right the fuck out because it's not comfortable being in the body anymore. And and I have really spent this entire year trying to just be back here. And I'm not good at it and I'm not, I have not mastered this. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, wow, me too. I really need to do this. What did you do? Um, This is not an advice episode for that, my friend. I'm sorry. I would, I wish I could tell you. Um, The one thing I will share is that I listen and I'm getting really emotional now. Um, I don't, I wish I had this part figured out for you and I hope someday in the future I'm going to sit down and have this beautiful episode of all the realizations I've had and all the things that I've done. Um, but I'm still too in it. So we're not going to get into how I resolved the trauma just yet. But I do want to talk about how it was expressing itself and, and, and the lessons that I'm learning as I'm digging in. Whew. Okay. So drag race. <laughs> in... The summer, I think it was, maybe the fall, I started binging Drag Race on Netflix. And this would now be about six months after this realization that I was holding and storing all this trauma in my body and just trying to get comfortable being in my body. Not having to fix all the problems, but honoring it when I feel a a pain, for instance, instead of just denying it, I sit with the pain. I ask what it has to show me. Um, I am taking more painkillers than I actually have ever in my life. And I think a huge part of that is because I'm tuned into the body enough that I have to do something when pain arises. I can't just pretend it's not happening. Whereas when I was mentally checked out, that was actually fairly easy to do. 
And so I've got all these months where I'm listening to the body and I'm tuning in more than I have in 20 years and super uncomfortable, but I'm doing it. And I start rewatching Drag Race. And the first thing is that I recognize um, how beautiful they are. And what's super cool about that awareness that has happened for me is that it's not in relation to anything else. It's not in relation even to each other. Although I will say like so-and-so did better in the challenge than so-and-so and that type of a thing. Um, there are times where I yell at the TV and say, so-and-so was robbed and they shouldn't be going home. But in general, it's not, I guess the, the shift is that I'm not treating beauty as this um, finite supply. It's not like if this guy is more beautiful than this one, um, then it means that the other one has lost something. And what's really cool is that that can include me too, because beauty is not a finite supply. Beauty is not pie. There are not just so many slices to go around. We can all be fucking beautiful. Um, I can recognize beauty in them and it means zero about me. It has nothing to do with how I show up in the world, despite being in this body. When I look at them and they come out and they are um, glorious in whatever fashion that is. So sometimes it's something that they're wearing. Sometimes it's how they've done their makeup. Sometimes it's the entire presentation. But I can just allow myself to get swept up in the glamour of it and the beauty of it. And it doesn't take away anything from me. It doesn't make me any less. And how beautiful would that be to live in a world where that's just the way we view everything? So not just beauty, but where we're not in a state of envy of anybody else because we know that that is available to us. We know that someone can be really smart and someone can be really capable and somebody can be a really great mother. And the way that they're doing it is wonderful and we can appreciate that without it having to be something we then judge ourselves for. Oh, if only I had her thighs. Oh, if only my hair would do that or whatever. We don't have to get in that place of critique. We can appreciate the beauty in other people without it having to mean anything about us. How cool is that? And it's actually not just with body image. I started looking at the trends and, you know, I've seen 11 seasons of Drag Race plus some other stuff. Um, I have watched a lot of drag queens now and... I started to look at the trends of who I'm really drawn to. So when I'm really drawn to a queen, this is super funny. Um, the first thing I ask myself is, am I attracted to them as a boy or do I like them as a queen? Which seems like a kind of ridiculous question, but my history for a long time was to be drawn to unavailable men. So gay men were in there, men who lived far away, uh, men who were married, uh, men who just had zero interest in me. Like th that was my type. Unavailable was my type. So uh, while it seems a little absurd to say, am I just attracted to them as a man? Is that why I like them? It's actually a really good starting point because I want to know how shallow I'm being and <laughs> where I'm actually at. So that's the first question. The second one um, is what do I love about them? And the things that I love the most, the majority of the queens that I completely adore are the complete fucking weirdos. I have to be honest. They are the ones who are not trying to be beautiful. They're just, they've got their thing and they're going out and doing it in the world. My absolute favorite queen, which is the one that I went and saw on a show a couple weeks ago, is Trixie Mattel, who looks like 
a folk singing Barbie with a potty mouth or something. It's really hard to describe her. But what I love about her is that she is entirely herself. The opening number in her set is a song where she talks about how she doesn't have a lot of people who come to her shows more than once and she doesn't really care because she already has their money. And it's so blunt and so funny. And what I really love is the transformation because what you see is these personalities turned all the way up. And the queens I'm super drawn to are the same people behind the scenes as they are on stage, but just amplified, which is kind of how I feel about myself in my business where, you know, I am me all the time, but when I get on camera or when I'm teaching or when I'm on stage, I do turn it up because the audience thing is different. But typically, like if you meet me in the bathroom of Starbucks and people actually have, uh, or if you meet me at an event, you're going to meet the same person just, you know, with the, 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 the dial turned up a little bit. So I really like that. Whereas there are some queens who have two different personas when they hit the stage they are all about the judges and behind the scenes they're just catty bitches or they're schemers or whatever and those are the ones where I'm like "Mm, no and that's because my little my wounded you know young teenage self is triggered by the mean girlness of it all and the two-facedness of it all but that's the drama that's reality tv I suppose so where am I going with all of this? It's not, yeah, it's not just about the beauty. It's really about watching people master their craft and to share it with the world. And when they tell their stories and it's really personal and it's so beautiful to be able to see this, this intimacy, because it really is intimate, um, where they can put themselves in the world and I can appreciate that in a way that is not reflective of me where I'm not then weaponizing that thing that I appreciate in them as something that I should do better or be or whatever. I think the storytelling is actually a really big part of it too. And this is um, less about a comparison element, but just what I appreciate in the media that I consume in general. I'm a really big feeler. Like, yes, I'm an empath and a clairsentient, but I, I just feel things very, very profoundly. And I've always been like this. And I used to think that it was a bad thing, but now I know it's my superpower. So I've totally just taken it on board. And when I consume media, whether it's a YouTube video, whether it's a play, whether it's a movie, whether it's, you know, like a dramatic series, what I really love is everyday fallible humans trying to connect in the world. It is, um, if I look at the plays that I direct, that's also, I mean, I haven't directed a play in a decade, but um, the plays that I've been drawn to where I've been compelled to, yeah, okay, let's invest my time, my money, my energy into putting this show on. It's because it's those types of stories. It's these everyday fallible humans striving for human connection. Because I think that that's actually the thing that we are all craving the most. And when I listen to the stories that they tell backstage and they talk about their coming out stories and they talk about losing loved ones and just the way where they are seeking to connect with these people that although they're their competition, they're also the people that they're sharing this workroom with for however many months. And um, it is so raw and real, especially because they're airing their stuff and they know that the cameras are rolling and there's a very good chance it's going to end up on TV. And as someone who, you know, has had a dysfunctional family and has had a lot of hardship, 
it's not going to be sometimes the most comfortable thing to have seen. And it's a big risk for them to share it with these people. When they share on the stage, I know sometimes it's because they're overwhelmed with emotion, but I've also witnessed a few of them on stage do it as a tactic to avoid elimination. So <clears throat> the manipulation element of it, let's say, makes me a little bit suspicious. But when it's in the workroom and you know that it's not really for the cameras, and in fact, they're probably in some ways hoping that it's not going to make it uh, to the final cut, but just where they are trying to relate to each other. I love those moments. I appreciate the courage that they take. And you can tell who is being really genuine. And those are the ones that I find it easier to connect with in my heart. Like I just really feel for someone who's willing to do that, to be open and vulnerable and real with stuff. And it's super funny because I've just submitted myself to speak at an event next year. And I spent the entire you know, two weeks leading up to when I was going to have to put together this application of being so busy that I couldn't sit down and, and do it in the way that I thought. And I thought it needed to be really perfect. And I had all these things I wanted to do and what I wanted to say. And it's literally a one minute video, but I'd hyped it up in my head. And then it came to the day and I hadn't slept well. And we'd had a rough night the night before and uh, at home. And I was really like, fuck, I got to get this done. And I sat down naked, uh, literally, not metaphor, well, also metaphorically, but naked uh, in front of the camera. And I had bed head and I had bags under my eyes. And I sat down and I gave my pitch. And there is no fucking way that even two years ago, I would have been able to do that. Because I would have been so caught up in wanting to put my best foot forward and what my best foot forward looks like that I would never have been able to take that kind of a risk. And it's with the benefit of hindsight that I recognize that sometimes truth, raw, real, naked, stripped down, is your best foot forward. Because if someone needs you to be perfect and you're not perfect all the time because nobody is, let's be honest, if the only way they're going to take you is in that state of perfection and you're not naturally every day in that state of perfection, it's a lot of pressure to perform. Whereas if you can show up exactly as you are and say, hey world, here I am. This is me. This is what I have to offer. What do you think? And be accepted as that, that's a pretty fantastic place to be. I think that's also the thing I love so much about Drag Race because we get to have that behind the scenes look and it's not just like a pageant show. We get to see all the inner workings. We get to see that journey. We get to see them be raw, real and uncut. And I appreciate the finished product so much more because of that. So while I wouldn't say that I learned to love myself or my body because of Drag Race, um, because it's been a a combination of a ton of inner work and shamanic healings and energy stuff and um, being a global ambassador for the body image movement. It's really been a, a big, big journey. What I can say is that Drag Race became such a beautiful metric for me to measure my journey with. Not just Drag Race, but drag queens in general have been such a beautiful metric for me to measure this journey with. And because I'm in that state of reflection and I'm always questioning what am I getting out of this? What am I learning? How do I feel about this? It has been such a beautiful mirror for this work. 
So if drag queens are your thing and you're not watching Drag Race, then consider this my PSA to tell you to turn on, turn on Netflix or Amazon Prime or wherever you're going to get it from and watch it. But if not, I would ask you then to examine where you catch yourself in a state of comparison. What you can learn about that, what it is mirroring for you. And where are you willing to accept the truth that these things that we appreciate in other people are not a finite supply and that it is absolutely okay for them to have it and for that to mean nothing about whether you have it or not to. All right, that's what we've got. There is one more episode for the rest of this year slash this decade. I hope you'll join me. It's going to be dropping on Christmas Day. So if you need a short break from your family stuff, then make sure that you open up your podcast app and off you go. But until then, I will be sending you so much love and so much magic and hoping that you are finding these inspirations in unlikely places, including Netflix TV shows, where you can reflect and learn and grow and expand because so much is waiting for you on the other side. We'll see you next week.